Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2193. Today, my interview with Alexander Freed, the author of, among other things, Shadowfall, which is the second novel in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. Alexander Freed is the author of four Star Wars novels and other Star Wars content as well. Most recently he is the author of Shadowfall, which is the second novel in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy. During the interview we're going to talk about things like Alexander Freed's writing process, we'll talk about how he approaches character and story arc and battle sequences, we'll talk about the Cerberon system, that system that is orbiting a singularity, how unique it is and how it reflects what's going on in the lives of the characters and so much more. This episode is brought to you by Audible, and if you are interested in getting a free download of a Star Wars novel like Shadowfall, then you can get that and a free 30-day trial if you go to sw7x7.com audible. And if you haven't had a free trial from them before, it'll be a free 30-day trial and one free download, which could be Shadowfall or any of Alexander Freed's novels. And now, without further ado, or... Uh, maybe with a little more ado. <laughs> Let me say thank you so much for joining us for this episode, and please keep wearing your masks, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. And now, here is my conversation with Alexander Freed, the author of Shadowfall. Alexander Freed, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. I am thrilled to be able to talk to you about Shadowfall, which is the second novel in your Alphabet Squadron trilogy, and I will try not to ask any questions about the third novel because I am that charged up about it. I'm very excited to see how things turn out. <laughs> well, I've, I've got the third novel uh, open on my desktop at the same time that I am speaking to you, so... <gasps> Oh. If you can see through the screen somehow, it'll give you all the answers. Oh my gosh. Are you allowed to say where you are in the process of writing it or how far along you are? I don't think I can say that. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd have to have to ask Delray for that one. But it is, it is moving along well, um, you know, so long as I'm not struck down by the plague or other forces, uh, it will, it will be done. Oh man. And this is a, this is quite the year to be saying, as long as I'm not struck down by a plague. Cause no, I'm not tempting fate at all there. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, um, I, and thank you. I don't want to pressure you into saying anything you don't want to say, but I, <laughs> understand that you had the entire trilogy worked out or at least that you would outline the entire trilogy prior to writing the first novel which was alphabet squadron but that being said when you actually wrote shadowfall 
based on you know what you had you know were there any surprises about the direction that the story took you or the direction that any of the character arcs took yeah so as, as you as you suggest i'm a i'm a fairly meticulous outliner um i like to have a a plan going in and on the sort of the very very top level uh shadowfall pretty well fit what um you know was in my original sort of couple pages of this is the story of the trilogy. These are the arcs that the characters are going to go through. Um, where stuff tends to to deviate from the plan, it's, you know, in regards to implementation or, you know, the, the specifics that get us from, from point A to point B. So certainly Shadowfall went through, uh, you know, some, some really helpful iteration with uh, my editor at Delray, Elizabeth Schaefer, um, you know, there were some character subplots there that, you know, were just sort of big and bulky and we trimmed it down or we approached things from other directions. Um, still sort of the same uh, same journey that the characters were going on from, uh, from a spiritual point of view. Um, but the, the particulars change up. And certainly, you know, when I when I put together a, a top level outline in in before starting the trilogy, I didn't know, you know, all sorts of particulars about what was going on. I didn't know about the the star system they were going to be in. I didn't know that Nath and Will were going to team up and have their own little weird ragtag squadron. I didn't know, you know, the relationship that was going to develop between uh, Soren Kais and Governor Yadiz. Mm. So there was, there was lots of sort of discovering the particulars as I went along. And you just mentioned something that I thought was really interesting. Well, all of it is, but uh, in talking about the spiritual journey of the characters, like that's, you know, the particular word choice. And I had wanted to ask you about the character arcs because the, the, you know, when you read reviews about Alphabet Squadron or about Shadowfall, there's, you know, always some reference to the characters as being, you know, damaged or dealing with PTSD or, you know, otherwise suffering from psychological effects of the war. And I wanted to ask if that's the lens through which you are approaching the characters as you write about them. But in talking about the spiritual aspect of the character's development, that seems like that opens the door to thinking in a much different, a much larger way, if you will. Would you mind speaking to that a bit? Sure. So, I mean, I... I absolutely think in in broad terms in sort of the the psychological effects of of war and so forth on these characters. I try not to get too clinical about it, simply because I don't have the expertise. Um, you know, there is there is reading and research that I have have done, um, but it is it is not something where. Um, I, I don't want to put together a diagnosis for these characters that then falls apart when looked at with a more uh, more experienced eye. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sort of work through all of that by feel. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I did use the word spiritual there. And I do think a lot about Star Wars is a spiritual setting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is this is a universe in which a lot of aspects of characters and, you know, religion and 
belief and philosophy are embodied in an actual external force, right? The, the yeah. force is a thing in this universe, and it clearly symbolizes a lot of stuff, but it's also right there. You can, <laughs> you can shoot lightning bolts with this thing. It is, it is not something you can ignore. Right. Uh, so, yeah, sort of the, the mix of the, the psychological and spiritual uh, implications and, and impacts on these characters is sort of how I, I approach them and, and try to work through them. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and you mentioned the setting as well and not necessarily knowing, you know, from the outline until you actually wrote the novel you know, where it was going to go. But I thought the Cerberon system was just such a unique location. And it seems to have an effect on the spiritual experience for, you know, lack of a better way of putting it, but maybe that is the right way to put it. Um, it seems to have a strong effect on the characters as they go through the novel. So can you tell us, tell the listeners where the idea for it came from and how you see it affecting the major characters in the book? Sure. So, you know, book one was very sort of galaxy hopping. We we ended up in a lot of different places, seeing a lot of different uh, sorts of, you know, post-Endor locales. And I knew for book two, I wanted to do something smaller scale, a little more intimate, right? Something that, that really let us spend some time with these characters in a you know, comparatively confined space, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's still Star Wars, so a confined space in this context is multiple planets within one system. Right. Um, but, you know, knowing that, all right, if we're going to spend most or all of a book in one system, like that system, one, it better be interesting, right? Like just mm -hmm. on a on a pure entertainment level, this place needs to have enough going on with it. It needs to be something that feels Star Wars-y, but also isn't, you know, hey, it's it's like Hoth, only it's named slightly differently, right? <laughs> like you, you want something that feels big and momentous and has lots of cool visuals to it, but isn't exactly the same as everything we've seen before. And then, of course, on a more sort of narrative thematic level, you want something that is going to play well and resonate with the journeys that these characters are taking. And, you know, a lot of these characters um, are going to sort of a, a more, more difficult part. Um, you know, Quell in particular you know, she has this this inescapable gravity of her own past and her own choices and actions. And having this this system with a black hole at its heart um, makes a nice sort of metaphor for a lot of what uh, some of these characters are going through. Yeah, and the whole you know the whole novel's structure, and it also reminds me a bit of uh, the comparison between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back which I'll tie it in in a second, but <laughs> the, you know, the singularity and about just the inexorable destruction of the system that it's just slowly heading in that direction felt very similar to how the characters are experiencing, particularly Alphabet Squadron and how they are split up and how the squadron is affected. And I'm trying to talk around this in a way without giving away too many details for anybody listening who hasn't heard the novel, but just that sort of inexorable breaking up and destruction that's happening seems to be mirrored in what happens with Alphabet Squadron. And 
I'll, I'll let you speak to that if that sounds like it's on the mark or not, and then I'll come back to Empire in a moment. No, I, I think that's that's absolutely fair. And you know, the one of the one of the tricks when when writing this sort of thing is you you don't want to be too ridiculously overt and heavy-handed about it, right? Like, <laughs> yep. hopefully, if someone wants to come in and write another story in the Cerberon system that is light and happy and, you know, a, a Han Solo-esque tale of, of gambling gone wrong and wacky hijinks, like, hopefully <laughs> the setting is not so, so fixed on this one metaphor that that is not a possibility um <laughs> you want this world to feel alive outside the characters um but yes I, you know i think you're you're totally on the money in terms of what the what the intent for this book was and with the idea of star wars versus empire you know star wars definitely um you know gets around from a location perspective and empire kind of does too but it really felt like you got the broader picture of the galaxy from star wars aka a new hope whereas empire strikes back definitely focuses more narrowly on the characters and really sort of gets intimate with them and their experiences and is also spiritual in its way as well and i thought that it seemed rather similar with Alphabet Squadron and Shadowfall, and I wondered if that was something, you know, anywhere in the back of your head, potentially, that you had, you know, been thinking about the nature of a trilogy and how it's structured and how it goes from the broader to the more intimate, and if that's part of, you know, what happened in the development of Shadowfall for you as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's hard to write a Star Wars trilogy without looking back at that uh, original source material. And, you know, the, the truth is, it's it's a really useful model. Like, it works really well. Um, it already has, has obvious resonance with the franchise. Um, you know, you can turn away from it if you want, but... But if it works, then you may as well lean into it. And that's that's kind of uh, how I approached this book was, yeah, I mean, this this is this is absolutely the Empire Strikes Back. Um, <laughs> and that was a, that was a useful way of, of framing it. And I'm not. Uh, yeah, I, I figured why why run away from that? <laughs> awesome. Um I want to jump to the battle sequences, if I may. And um, one of the things that I find particularly fascinating is just how well you write these sequences. And I, you know, as a reader of a novel, you know, a lot of the work as a reader goes to the visualization of what's happening. And it's very well done. And it's, you know, cinematic in its description. But you have a particular skill set that I think not, you know, not every novelist has. And that's the fact that you write in so many different formats. You've written not only short stories, but you've also written for video games and you've also written for comics. And those latter two obviously are very visual mediums. And so I wanted to know whether you felt like those particular mediums and your experiences in them help you in constructing and writing about battle sequences in a form that doesn't necessarily have the visual component to be able to help it along. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because I I'm not sure what the answer to that is because on on a certain level um, the way to for me at least the the way to effectively describe sort of an action scene, a battle scene in a novel is so so different from how you you convey it in those other media because you have the 
the visual aspect, right? Because mm-hmm. you you can never describe every single thing going on in a book the way you can show it all in uh, in a comic book. Um, or, you know, a video game is a little bit different still because, you know, you there are very, very few intimately choreographed beat-by-beat fight sequences in video games that last more than a few seconds, um, mm-hmm. right? Because you've, you've, you've maybe got a brief cutscene, but then as soon as it's in the hands of a player, things start to, to spiral a little out of control. Ah, um, uh, yeah. You know, I, I think more, more where the video game um, influence comes in would be working with uh, world designers in the video game world, world designers and artists, um, figuring out like, okay, so what, what are the major sort of signposts in this area of the level? Um, having like, oh, the player's always going to be able to orient themselves because they can always see the tower out in that direction. And out in that direction is always going to be the wall of fire. (laughs) And so long as the player, you know, knows where those things are, they're going to be able to work their way through the space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that probably gave me an appreciation for having a couple of, of clear pillars to sort of call out and say, all right, just orient yourself around this reader. Um, even if the way you're describing it and describing the stuff around it is very different, um, knowing knowing that you need some some points of reference, uh, whether whether visual or just mental, uh, probably helped me out with all of that. So, for example, would you say you know knowing say the position of the lodestar, you know, uh, and you know how the battle is coming to you know that particular point that's one of those kind of reference points that would get used yeah absolutely yeah the lodestar is here and somewhere below or above or wherever it happens to be here's here's the planetary shields and things are happening in between those two or away from those two or whatever whatever spatial orientation makes sense, it gives you something to hang on to. And to a certain extent, um, so long as you give the reader enough to build some image in their mind, it doesn't actually matter if it's exactly the same one that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, It may matter at points, right? If there's something that's going to come up where it's really just absolutely vital that the reader understands that you know these two ships are pointed towards one another rather than moving apart then yeah you need to keep calling that one out so that the reader you know fixes that in their head but if they feel like you know they've got enough material to build that uh you know, to play in the sandbox and to arrange these these ships and characters and so forth in a way that feels plausible to them, that's really what matters. Is there, um, and knowing you as a military science fiction writer, and I fear that kind of boxes you in in a way that wouldn't be fair to you necessarily, especially when you talk about the spiritual journey of the characters, is there a particular aspect of writing these novels that 
especially excites you? Like, do you get particularly charged up for the opportunity to write the battle sequences? Or do you have moments where you're like, oh, I can't wait to start telling the story of Erica Quell and what she deals with with the tower, which I want to ask you about in full detail, just to give you a couple examples. Yeah, I mean, the honestly, the, the action part of it, it's not that I don't enjoy it or or appreciate the end result, but it's always painful, right? Like I, <laughs> I always sort of go into an action sequence going like, okay, this is this is the hard part. Um, you know, the the part that I that I latch on to that that does get me excited um, is really the the sort of the big pivotal character moments, um, sort of getting getting them from from one point to another something like quell in the tower certainly was um you know i i had a sense of what that was going to involve on a character level if not a plot level from really the the early uh outlining stages for the whole series i i didn't know that it was going to be a tower i didn't know that was going to be these particular circumstances, but I knew that Quell was going to be facing her own sort of past and traumas in a very intimate and personal way while away from the rest of the squadron at some point, you know, in the back half of book two. And that was, you know, that was a piece that the whole series was kind of, or, you know, the first book and a half was kind of driving towards in my mind. Yeah, and this is another reason why Empire Strikes Back kept coming up for me because it felt similar to the notion of Luke going into the cave on Dagobah. And just as a as a series of sequences in the novel, it just seems so striking to me because it was utterly unlike what one would expect from a book that is, you know, pitched to the world as military Star Wars or military sci-fi. You know, what inspired you to pursue this kind of spiritual examination with her? So, I mean, it, it is, as we were talking about, Star Wars is a mystical setting, and you can you can lean into the military side of it, but the Force is still embodied. It's still out there. These themes are still a part of the, the mesh of the whole setting, and it feels feels odd to just totally ignore that and in a in a series where you know there aren't jedi and sith running around you find other ways to to weave that into the the tapestry um and that's that's certainly part of it was just okay this is this is part of star wars where where am i going to work this stuff in and part of it is also it gives it gives me as an author a whole different set of tools to work with. And they're kind of fun and exciting tools. And I want to apply them. I want to go, oh, I'm going to be able to get something out of this, this character arc here by leaning into the mystical aspects that I wouldn't be able to find otherwise. Um, you know, and for, for me, this was never... This is a Star Wars trilogy that emphasizes the sort of starfighter space combat aspect. 
Um, but it is not military sci-fi first and foremost. And, you know, if, if people want to apply that term, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to that term. Um, but it's, it's still Star Wars, not military science fiction with Star Wars inserted in it. Or at least that's, that's the way I tried to approach it. <laughs> yeah, it is very rich in terms of its narrative and goes beyond the military aspect and definitely delves into the spiritual. It was just those sequences with Erica and her reminiscences with the tree of the tower were just some of the most powerful ones I've read. And the last thing I want to call your attention to, at least in the novel, um, is the exchange with Erica and Karen Aiden where uh, Aiden has his lines about how he says, I drink, I do the work, I manage, and that's how he deals with his shame. That seems to be a huge you know, crux in the book. And I wonder if you would be able to speak about arriving at that moment as you're writing it. I'm you know, pulling this one out of the thin blue air, as it were, but um, that one particular line struck me as so crucial to the you know the way the book turns and it's also crucial for erica's solution on that unnamed planetoid as well yeah so that i mean obviously that that sequence um you know the that entire planetoid sequence had as as i mentioned been kind of part of the plan but figuring out the the details and sort of the the lines and the blow by blow um you know as as i recall that that segment actually went a little easier than I was expecting it to. And I think uh, partly because it had been in my head for quite a while and I knew what it had to do. Um, there were some parts of that, that chapter that um, uh, we ended up revising a bit. Um, yeah. I, I remember I, I got a note from, from my editor going basically, okay, I think, I think this is very close but then we hit this point and you, you kind of just lost me. Can, can you just explain it a little more clearly? <laughs> and of course, because it had been something that had been in my head forever, you know, I had thought it was perfectly clear. I had thought I was leading the, the reader by the hand. And then I went back and I looked at it after, after getting that editor's note. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's a little oblique, isn't it? It's, it's a little <laughs> unclear exactly what's going on here. Um, now that, that was not the, the final conversation with, with Aiden. That was elsewhere in the chapter. But, um, but it, it gives you a sense of where my, my head was at in general. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I like Aiden as a character a lot. Um, I'm not saying I would like him as a person, uh, <laughs> but I, I found him interesting to write and sort of dealing with the way he approached the world um, is something that got seeded through through the first book and the the first half of the the second. And you know there there was always some sense of all right there is going to be a connection to quell here at some point and getting to, to really spell that out was, was satisfying for both uh, his own character and for, for hers. I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but it does, it does. And it's all fascinating detail. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 
glad to uh, glad to babble as much as I can on this stuff. <laughs> uh, well, I'll throw one last question at you, if I may, and it's a very general one. It's one that I asked actually of a lot of different people at Celebration Chicago when I was there, and um, it's a very simple one, but maybe not. <laughs> uh, when it comes to Star Wars, what do you know for sure? Wow. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I think, I think when I, when I, what I know about Star Wars is it is, it is a saga about a battle between good and evil, right? Like that is, that is absolutely clear. This is an, an epic story between grand archetypes. Um, infused with with wonder and mystery that is that is what star wars is to me and i think you can change almost everything else you can change time periods you can change characters um i think you could even change out the jedi and the sith although you would probably end up with equivalents mm. um but it's it's that that thematic core that I feel is is the certainty within Star Wars to my mind. I love that answer. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> did I, did I pass? Did, did I? Uh... Yes, you absolutely did. I and I put people on the spot for that question <laughs> dozens of times. So uh, believe me, you did just fine. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad I will will still be allowed to work in this setting. Oh yeah, cuz this is the arbiter of that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that that's my assumption, yes. <laughs> so for anybody who wants to keep up with what you have going on, what other projects you may have coming out, Star Wars or not Star Wars related, where should they be checking you out online? Sure, I've got an occasionally updated website um, <laughs> at alexanderfried.com um, that rarely has the absolute latest and greatest, but it always gets updated sooner or later, and it has a lot about my, my past work. It has a lot of uh, uh, essays on the writing process and thoughts about video game writing in particular. Um, for more sort of up-to-date uh, material anyone can find me on twitter at alexander m freed um, and i sort of pop in and out whenever i've i've got uh, some some announcement about a, a forthcoming product be it be it a video game or novel or comic book or uh, whatever else they've let me get my hands in uh, <laughs> someday are you able to talk about what might be coming down the pipeline for you next there's not much that I can say that's been announced. Obviously, uh, the third Alphabet Squadron book um, is is in the pipe. It will be uh, happening again, barring barring tremendous disaster. Um, <laughs> Knock on I've one. got uh, video game work and a number of other projects in the mix, but nothing I can uh, nothing I can actually reveal yet. Well, then we are just going to have to keep an eye on your Twitter handle with bated breath. Well, I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> Alexander Freed, thank you so much for taking the time to share all your wonderful insights into Shadowfall and about the Star Wars galaxy in general. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, thank you again for having me, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been great talking. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.